Ihatu Sholola. Ihatu Sholola. My name is Ina Maria Shikongo. I am here to defend my homeland today, the Kavango, the birthplace of modern humanity. The oldest DNA is in the Kavango. In this Climate Gen episode, I'm speaking with Namibian activist Ina Maria Shikongo. Ina Maria has been speaking out about the unlawful exploitation of the Okavango Delta in Africa, calling on the Canadian oil company Recon Africa to leave Namibia. This conversation highlights the plight of countries like Namibia in Africa and beyond, where consumption in the West creates misery and destruction elsewhere. It is absolutely critical that we understand the wider destruction is accelerating back towards us, and if we don't take radical action to change course and consume much less, as Ina Maria points out, the future will be bleak for us too. Thanks for listening to this series. There are more episodes available and previously unseen interviews for members who join via Patreon and YouTube. Thank you for listening. Hello, Ina Maria. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today. To anyone who doesn't know, can you give us a brief overview of what the Okavanga Delta is and why it's so intrinsic to your own life and, and also to your communities around you? Hi, Nick. Thank you for having me. Well, the Okavango Delta itself is situated in Botswana, but we must also go back, you know, like historically that the borders were just, um, they were drawn out by our former slave masters. But when we talk about the Kavango Delta, we need to speak about the whole Kavango Basin. The Kavango Delta is being fed by the Kwando River, which starts in Angola, and then it goes through Namibia, which is the Kavango River, and then it settles in the Kavango Delta. It is the only inland delta that does not run off into an ocean, which is quite important. It is a biodiversity hotspot, which has a lot of endangered species that we need to mention, like, you know, the African wild dog, for example. But aside from it being an oasis within the middle of the desert, the Kalahari Desert, it's also, you know, home to the largest population of the African elephants, for example. Our indigenous people live of their land, like the sun people that are hunter-gatherers. The fauna, for them, it is food. For some of us who are not used to that type of fauna, we just see bush. But like the manketi, for example, it is a nut that you can eat and it is highly nutritious. Then we've got the hoodia, which is something that we eat uh, and highly nutritious as well. But at the same time, it controls your hunger, you know, and, you know, these people, they they live off the land. They don't need fridges like we do. They, they don't go to supermarkets like we do. And they manage to survive in the desert, you know, they cross Namibia, Botswana, but they know exactly when to do it. They are so in sync that, I mean, they even know where to find roots that give them water. Whereas us, we can't survive without a bottle of water. And also, you know, we have other indigenous communities, not only the Sun people or the Bushmen, it's um, also the Kavango people. And these are subsistence farmers, so they live off the land. And I think when we look at the colonial work, we must also start recognizing that people that live off the land are not necessarily poor just because they don't make 
millions, you know, in fact, they are much more happier than most people that have a eight to five job that have to pay bills constantly. You know, these people are much more happier than most people in the global north, for example. They're in a mm-hmm. place where we need to get back to a little bit more balanced with nature, whereas we're completely Im- imbalanced, out of yes. balance. Yes, yes. Can I just ask you then, there's this encroachment, and this is a struggle that you've been involved with, people basically wanting to encroach upon this natural land, which involves not just people, but also wildlife, ecosystems, biodiversity, an intrinsic value, you know, to the planet as much as anything else. Can you talk a little bit about the struggle that you've been involved in? What's actually going on? A company from Canada called Recon Africa has now started drilling for oil and gas, you know, and they are drilling on the Omatako River, which is basically feeding the Kavango Delta. And the way that this whole process has been done is just so shady and dodgy. First of all, you know, we should be facing out of fossil fuels and not start new oil fields, especially not in a biodiversity hotspot like the Kavango Basin. And we found out only in 2020 that this company was going to start drilling, but there was no community engagement prior to the announcement. And this deal started already in 2013. I think public consent is very, very important and people really need to know what is going to happen. And obviously, Recon Africa is doing everything upside down that one should actually question their ulterior motives. I mean... They started drilling even before they started doing the seismic testing. And it's only amateurs that do that. The pits are not lines. But how do they so, get into that position in the first place? How do they get the ability to move their equipment in? The deals have been signed, you know. Yeah, yeah. The deals have been signed. And it's our government that is allowing this. It's not the people on the ground. So the they people find are not willing people and pay them off? Most probably, yes. Because and this is a Canadian company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a Canadian company that is registered in the US and it's also registered in Canada. So it's 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 just everything about Recon Africa is super dodgy. I mean, even like right now, they did some tests, but the test that they found is that there is no commercial viable oil in the Kavango Basin. And I mean, these are tests that have been made already in the 70s in the 60s, 70s by the apartheid regime. And also like the approach of selling their project, you know, 120 billion barrels of oil, the biggest oil find, shale play in in Africa, you know, it, it's like, no. Even now they sold their shares. Namco, that is like an extension of the Ministry of Mines and Energy, they also sold their recon shares. Craig Stanky, the owner of Recon Africa, also sold his shares. So why are they continuing if there is no oil and why are they selling their shares? Is it, I don't know, is, is it pump or dump uh, game that they ha- that they are playing? Pump and dump. I don't, yes. So it, nothing makes sense about this company. And that is what is super worrisome. What sort of engagement have you had with anyone from the company or your colleagues? The lawyers. <laughs> They're lawyers. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, It wasn't pretty for them, I think, because I'm an activist. So I tell it to them straight, like I have to. 
And I did question them when they had the very first community engagement after they started drilling, which was in February 2021. So I questioned them and they could not answer my questions. And and I mean, Sindila Muya himself has been insulting me, you know, like calling me a non-Indigenous person. It is not his right to call me a non-Indigenous person. I am a person. And I, I do have son ancestry. And it can be proven through a DNA test. So those insults by the person doing the the EIA, Cindy Lamuya, Dr. Cindy Lamuya, it is totally unacceptable. And also they try and find information through funny, dodgy ways, using media, using journalists. And you hear that, oh, this journalist is going to call you. But then instead you have someone else calling you, trying to intimidate you. And then obviously they try to, I don't know if it's kidnap me. <laughs> they try to kidnap me, but they, but they, uh, after the community engagement, they brought uh, two police officers apparently so they can take me away. And just as I was leaving, why didn't they do it while I was protesting inside? Why didn't they do it while I was questioning them inside? What this was is the- quite strong intimidation, though. I mean, even a suggestion of kidnapping is is bad enough. I mean, to actually try to do it or to intimidate, this is such a strong signal that something's definitely wrong. What's the current status quo then? So you're saying they're still continuing? They are still continuing. And also they have created a road within the conservancies, which is actually a protected area without the permission of the people. And also... They told UNESCO that they are going to create a buffer, but now they are going into the UNESCO protected area, which is totally wrong. They are also busy applying for a new EIA. There was a court case that the community members launched in last year, and we still don't have the ruling of that court case. But when the communities applied for an urgent appeal, they were slapped with a, a fine of half a million Namibian dollars that they have to pay Namco lawyers. Why do they have to pay Namco lawyers? What does Namco have to do with Recon Africa? You know, and why is Recon Africa using government resources to do their operations? Like, what is really going on? You know, like they too much in government pockets that it is questionable. Like, what type of deals did they make with governments? And also, why is it that? people are being slapped with such a heavy fine for speaking up for their constitutional rights. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds like ecocide law. This is a destruction of the land wantingly, disruption of communities, putting people at risk. There's a whole swathe of wrongdoing and law-breaking, poisoning, basically. Poisoning our waters, for example. Yeah, it's not like you can undo it really quickly or put in a little oh, buffer, buffer zone. Because everything is connected underground. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like the borders that they've put into place. Okay, that's Botswana, that's Namibia. You know, the, it is a Kavango basin. So meaning that absolutely, the streams underground are interconnected, but we know that they end up in the Kavango Delta in Botswana. And that means that wildlife is going to be impacted, but also the people. Even like right now, it's the communities are saying that the water has changed. If the taste of underground water has changed already, why are we still continuing with this? And also, like, if you're speaking about development, why can't we develop that region in accordance to what the people really need and want? I mean, like, if you go to Kavango East, for example, kids have been taught under trees. Women are delivering their babies on on the floor. 
And Recon promised them, yes, they will come build schools, they will build hospitals, and none of that is happening. The only people that made money here are the owners of Recon Africa that have sold their shares, and they have made millions. You referenced your activism earlier, and I first heard you speaking in Glasgow during COP26. Even there, you were calling out the COP for greenwashing, basically. The activism in Glasgow seemed to be much more impactful as an outcome than the actual conference itself. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of the COP there? Because, I mean, there was an atmosphere that wasn't reproduced at COP27, which was a much more constrained COP from an activist point of view. What are your thoughts on that? You know, when it comes to politics, it's a dirty game. Politicians are there just to talk and to lie to their people. And I think even the approach of the COP, yes, it is a great initiative, but if we don't follow it, then what is the point? I mean, here in Paris, they're saying, yes, we need to stick to the 1.5. Even the latest IPCC report says we have to really try and stick to the 1.5 degrees. But then, you know, like right now, the new presidency is also a CEO of an oil company in, in his country. So it doesn't make sense. Even if you look at the latest IPCC reports, the mentioning of fossil fuels, they fought for it to go out. Why? So they can continue their expansion. I mean, even like right now, we, I mean, like COP26 in Glasgow, I was very disappointed myself when it came to the results themselves. I mean, they didn't even want to talk about loss and damage. But I think when it comes to these fights, one has to realize that there's a lot of money involved. And where there's money involved, there will always be complications. If you take the cops, for example, and you take the next presidency, which, as you said, is also the head of the state oil company. I mean, I think that's probably the most stark example of a conflict of interest (laughs) you're ever going to see. You link it back to where I'm sitting here in Europe. And I've just read this morning about all of these European countries in the UK, all going into Africa, different African countries, and trying to do gas deals and all this kind yes. of stuff. Yes. And it all links, and you... it links to what you're experiencing as well with, with in your country. And it links back to individuals as well as communities here that consume enormous amounts and eventually everything ends up in our hands whether it's a new phone that we don't really need or it's a new this new that new that chucking it all around yeah yeah it it comes down to this we we're kind of choking ourselves on consumption to the point where the money as you say is just flying into a few people's pockets who are exploiting yeah and so everyone else is actually suffering because the only individuals that are literally winning from all of this are the gas and oil companies. I mean, like right now here in Namibia, Total and Shell, they're very busy, you know, along our coast. And our government is not being advised by the Qatari government on how to manage its oil resources. And it's scary for us because we are extracting new oil fields. I mean, even the Willow project in in the in the Alaska that was just approved by Biden, who was claiming to be a climate leader, and yet he is doing the exact opposite. So my question is, what is the hold of these oil companies on governments? What is the hold? That is like what I'm asking myself. Why is it that we have leaders in place that literally lie to the people that go to all these conferences 
And yet are still continuing the strength. I mean, even if the EU leaders are using the energy poverty in Africa as an excuse to develop new gas fields, we know that it's not going to benefit us. We don't have the infrastructure. Yeah. So it is for export. We cannot catch up. It's the whole thing, isn't it? Because the, everything that's extracted will end up in the atmosphere and we will all be ultimately destroyed, starting with the most vulnerable places to the equator and so on and so forth. Really, yeah. It's a destructive, self-destructive pattern. But yeah. what I think is sad is the fact that the African leaders are also buying into this lie where they are labelling gas as, you know, green energy, which is not. And also, you know, like if you look at the pipelines that are being put on the continent, it makes no sense. I mean, we have animals like elephants that roam those lands. And if there's a leak and if there's a fire because of the dry climate, you are literally going to kill so many animals. And going into Africa to do this, it for me, I, I say it is a repetition of colonialism, whether we like it or not whether we want to address it or not. And I think it's also because there was never any accountability. You know, Germany's debt was cancelled after the Second World War. And Africa still has to pay, which is why they are literally controlling us. And this colonial debt has to be cancelled because we don't owe anything. They came, they took the people. Yeah. They came. They cut up our people, our countries, dividing families. They made us as slaves. They made our land their land. And even today, the Obaherero people and the Nama people are still fighting to get the land back from the Germans. But they can't. Why? Commercial land is owned by descendants of these Germans and also the Dutch, the Africaners from South Africa. So I think accountability is also one of the problems here because we've never held oil companies truly accountable. Even if you see what is what has happened in Nigeria, for example, with the Niger Delta, Shell is still there, but Kensar Omiwa was killed on false pretense. And the world knows this, but Shell is still being allowed to continue operating. Why? Mm-hmm. Communities have been affected in Uganda because of Total's involvement there. There has been no accountability. I mean, Shell has been busy in Namibia during apartheid, but today we hail them as heroes. Heroes for what? When they were the ones hunting down our parents. You know, when they were the ones supporting the regime that was hunting down our parents. Making sure that they have fuel so they can go to my grandmother's village and burn her homestead down. There has to be accountability. And because there's no accountability, these companies can continue doing what they do. And also, even if the governments are the ones that are lobbying with other governments, at the end of the day, who's doing the operation? It's not the government. It's the company, the same companies, again. You don't see uh, Schroeder or I don't know who the new or uh, yeah Schultz yeah you know that is how oblivious I am to those people. It's like okay who Mm -mm. Uh, (laughs) it's like toilet paper. Wipe your bum and chuck it in the toilet, and that's it. And that is how I see world leaders. They they are they are actually 
killing humanity for the sake of a few. And that is exactly what is happening also with the gas rush for Africa. Yeah. And the dash for gas. Yes, the dash for gas. And that is the problem, major problem on this continent. It is heartbreaking. No, I understand. And I think what you said about accountability is is really key. And it ties into a whole bunch of these issues. One, I think, is the consumption of the wealthy people in wealthy countries. It's things like the Paris Agreement, which has been thrown into the ether. Last COP, they were talking about maybe not being so tight on aiming for 1.5. Exactly. It's exactly. Really negotiating <laughs> with physics now and science. It's all getting a bit crazy, but I think there needs to be an awareness so that we can get the accountability and the reduction of consumption and also resilience now to what we know the damages we've caused that all arrived in many places. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Without accountability, there can be no justice. And justice not only for the people, like when you see the Niger Delta, what it is now, and how the communities are literally suffering because there's no more clean water, they can't farm anymore, It's there's no fish that they can eat, everything is just toxic, it's just flares everywhere. Those communities deserve justice. Absolutely. And cleaning up those spills takes a long time. And we are not investing in rehabilitation either. We are just thinking of extracting and extracting and extracting. Nothing makes sense when it comes to the fossil fuel industry. Nothing, absolutely nothing. And the fact that they are being stubborn about the transition is super scary. At the end of the day, it's all about capitalism, right? You know, the people in Congo are busy mining the cobalt so we can have the latest gadgets, but is it really necessary? Is it necessary? And people are digging these with their own bare hands. But I think that question, is it really necessary, is something that, again, people like me, I guess, you have to hold your gadgets in your hand and say, is it really necessary? Do I need that upgrade? Do I need, you know, do I need to change my phone on a contract every year or two years or whatever it is? Do I need all these things? If you really are honest, you don't need, don't need much of it. You yeah, could reduce yeah. your impact quite considerably and, and push back against all of this nonsense. Yes. I was in Sweden recently and I saw cottages that don't use gas to heat up. And Sweden is a very cold country. So how do they do it? So you mean you are just going to throw away your traditional knowledge? Because even the UK, you have you have a traditional knowledge because you used to survive without gas. You know, otherwise none of you would be here. How did you all survive? How did your grandmother survive? And even for you to be here today, you need to thank your past ancestors. So you do have a tradition, you do have a culture which is not dependent on that mineral. And also this game of capitalism, where you have something that is being produced somewhere else, also has caused social unrest within your own countries. You have so many people living on the streets, people that are constantly depressed. We don't even know the definition of depression here. You know, <laughs> you don't have time to think about depression because you have to continue surviving. But people that live off the lands are not as depressed as the ones that are slaves to gadgets and stuff, that need to look a certain way because society dictates. No, it is, there's something totally wrong within the societies in within the global North. And 
all of this is literally coming up because you have been enslaved by your companies, by your governments, by your countries. And it's, you know, is it Bob Marley when he says something about mental slavery, emancipate yourself from mental slavery, you know? And that is exactly what is happening in the global north. People are so dependent. They are so depressed. They are told what to think. They are told what to eat. And they are like zombies. They don't even know who they are anymore. And you do have a rich culture, you know. You are the descendants of the Celtics, of the Vikings, and many more people, you know, before that. And I think you should take pride in what your ancestors left you and not embrace this new culture that is literally just enriching a few people and that is killing so many more people, including ourselves. I mean, air pollution kills more people than COVID ever did. Well, at the moment, it is a race to the bottom. We're on autopilot, destroying everything. That's what's ultimately got to stop. The interconnectedness between Europe, Africa, Asia, America, the world is a lot smaller now. We we understand what we're doing <clears throat> and where the fuel for it all comes from and who really pays. Even the self-destructive path that has been set out by our leaders... They can be sitting in their conferences in Bonn or Abu Dhabi or wherever. The fact is that the person who is going to survive is the person that is living off their land. You will be stuck in your high-rise building and you will and you will have to somehow make a plan to come down. Nature is resilient and nature will heal itself. That is one thing that I truly believe. But I also know that a lot of people are going to suffer. What is happening in Ukraine, it's just a fraction. It's just a fraction of how the global north is going to be affected. Even if you look at, especially Eastern Europe, because you still have people that live very, very traditional ways. They will survive. They will survive. But you in the big cities, I feel sorry for you. So this is a death sentence that your governments are literally imposing on all of you. Of course, us, we suffer the impacts of unrest, uh, jihadis, whatever they want to call them, and we all know who supplies them the arms, you know. Who makes the arms? Who makes the, who makes the weapons that end up here killing our people? Isn't, uh, is it Sweden, Germany, France, the USA, Russia? They make the arms. So they're the ones that benefit whenever there is a conflict anywhere else in the world. So at this point, what are you working on right now? What's your main engagement with activism? Is it all of this stuff? Are you focused on one thing? I'm trying to get Recon Africa out of my country. Yeah. That is my priority. And also continue the conversation, especially when it comes to decolonial work. And, you know, telling our stories. We cannot ignore the voices of the voiceless. That is one thing that is very, very important. We are victims of war already. And now when it comes to oil and gas, you cannot separate the two. Like now, Germany wants to go to Senegal to go get gas. And now all of a sudden you have extremists apparently that are busy invading. But hello, where there, where there are minerals, there is there will always be conflict. If you look at the Congolese army, Right now, I mean, the Congolese rebels, they look like an army. They are. They have the latest gadgets. What are they preparing in Congo? Just because they want to go into Virunga, 
you know, we need to start making links, you know, and that means that we need to start talking to each other. You in the global north, tell your governments that we don't need any more new oil fields. Leave Africa alone. We've already given you everything and we are still giving you everything. We have debts that for killing our brothers that you have imposed on us. You know, leave Africa alone. Let us develop in our own way. You've already colonized us. You took our people to different continents to be your slaves, to make you rich. So this conversation needs to continue and we will not stop, you know? And so decolonial work is very, very, very important. And also because people need to be aware that their actions are actually impacting someone else. And in most cases, it's children, it's women that are being impacted. There, yes, you hate children's rights, children's rights. They need to go to school. But what about the kids in the Congo digging up the cobalt so you can have your latest iPhone? So we need to hold these companies accountable and we need to continue telling our stories. I mean, I flow with the wind. Wherever the wind takes me, I will be there. That is for sure. Well, thank, thank you very much for speaking to me. It's been fantastic. I look forward to reading more of your tweets and seeing what's going on. So keep posting. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you for your solidarity. Please repeat after me. Ihadu Sholola. I will just add, it means you will never give up. Ihadu Sholola. Ihadu Sholola. Ihadu Sholola. Ihadu Sholola. Ihadu Sholola. Then again, COP26, please stop your bullshit once again. Thank you very much.